The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This episode of Beyond is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash podcastbeyond for your free audiobook download. Users lose all sense of reality and enter another world. Remember, do not underestimate the power of PlayStation. Beyond, beyond, beyond. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Podcast Beyond, episode 283. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the pride of Long Island, Colin Moriarty. Hello. The Dark Knight of News, Andrew Goldfarb. Good morning. And the ghosts of everyone ever. <laughs> no, no Colin today. We ain't got time. But we do have a great interview with Wait, us no, five no Colin? No. David Reed. We, we don't have time, call Colin. Call in. No call <laughs> in. I'm say, I can go? We gotta go. We gotta keep going. <laughs> you can go. <laughs> You've right. been dismissed. Do you remember when we were gonna... <laughs> when uh, you, you and Colin Campbell used to talk about doing a show called uh, Call In with Colin and Colin? Mm. That would have been be great. a great show. Um, it's Monday. We're recording early. Uh, t- on Tuesday, when this posts, I'll be playing SimCity for nine hours straight. Wow, that's fun. It's pretty much my dream day. Yeah, my dream like day it. at IGN. Just play <laughs> games. Don't don't do anything. Beyond is, is Damon with you the whole time? No, Damon's with me from like nine to eleven. He's oh, doing, like that's a sizable stuff. chunk, though. Yeah, and then then from the rest of it, it'll just me pl- me playing. You can tune you in. Think and watch play. he's gonna be mad? That there's no city named after him. Well, maybe there will be tomorrow. Oh, a little, little tease would yeah. get people interested. Yeah. Well, yeah, like all, I'm also putting up a, a new commentary about SimCity every day at 12.30. Wow. Eventually, Andrew Goldfarb makes an appearance. Yeah, that's So you true. should watch. Should... It's only like 20 days from now. <laughs> but let's begin the show, not with this PC garbage, but with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. <laughs> Time for some news. Mm-hmm. I have a hot coffee. Oh, you do a photo bucket mug. Yeah, I left my real mug downstairs. I haven't been to my mm-hmm. desk in like five hours. Yeah, I know. Uh, there are ten items on the list. Since, ten! Since Greg will incessantly not stop bitching about the Roper Report, let's play a game of I, I can already, and I guarantee I, I don't even, Can I have a pen, please? I don't even want to do it today, because I bet it's all good. I, bet, I already saw your top three. Those are dynamite. Okay. Dynamite mega franchises. <laughs> Number one. Be- <laughs> Mega franchises, Kyle. Number one. Beyond, beyond, beyond Two Souls yeah. finally has a release date. <laughs> this PlayStation 3 exclusive from Quantic Dream, the studio that brought you Heavy Rain, is due out on October 8th in North America. There's no word yet on its release date in other territories. We talked about this for, for PlayStation Conversation. I have a theory, Goldfarb, that October 8th is getting it out ahead of PlayStation 4. Then we get PlayStation 4 
end of October, beginning of November. What do you think of that? Yeah, uh, I, I watched your PlayStation conversation. I agree. I, I thought that was Colin's theory, though. Wasn't that wasn't that a Moriarty joint? What was my theory then? Hey, this is the release date, and I have nothing to say. About hey, what's that, up? that does What's sound like you. take some credit for some of that work. Hey, guess what? I invent- <laughs> you, you enjoying these PlayStation conversations? I, Greg Miller, invented them. <laughs> Motherfuckers. Um, I think that's a. That- <laughs> I think it's a solid theory, regardless of its source. Uh, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, to me, November is the most likely. I think um, I'm I'm expecting what, like, I think a lot of people are for Microsoft to launch first, and I would expect Sony to launch in November. Mm. That's that's scary. That's bad news of that. But we'll see. We will see. Number two, Assassin's Creed Four is real. Let's call Assassin's Creed Four Black Flag, not to be confused with the punk band. And we'll launch on <laughs> or October twenty. Right? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> true. And we'll launch on October 29, 2013 for both PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4 as well as other platforms. Um, but the PS4, I guess, date is kind of nebulous. Yes. And there's a lot more information about AC4 right now on IGN, so you can go Ooh. check it out now. Because you goddamn know I don't give a shit. I mean, we don't normally get into to inside baseball stuff. Uh, this was interesting. This was an interesting uh, One of reveal. the worst handled reviews. <laughs> yeah. It, I like it, it, we don't get inside baseball. It's a conversational podcast. We talk about the industry a lot. On that's it. true. That's true. Podcast beyond uh, every, every, every Tuesday on IGN. We talk about this kind of stuff a lot. I mean... Go r- ahead and lay it out what happened here. So... Rich, Everybody saw this game. Yeah. Me and Rich and Mitch saw this game a little over a week ago, I think it was. Um, what was that? What was that look for? Your excellent grammar skills. <laughs> Rich and Mitch. Rich and Mitch. <laughs> Rich, Mitch, and I. There you go. <laughs> so I, I do it. I'm terrible, obviously. Uh, about a week ago, and uh, originally everything was going to hit today. Uh, then there, there was a uh, poster leaked from GameStop, and then they released the box art, and then the embargo changed, and everything got shuffled around. But today we can finally talk about it. Hey! Um, I mean, my favorite thing, I mean, I've been, I've been pretty vocal about not being completely crazy about uh, AC3, despite being excited for it. Um, but this one, I think, could do it. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. If they do anything right, it's the character reveals. You know, like, I think it's really cool seeing the new assassin. I think there are some cool things they're trying here. I like the idea of... Um, the new uh, uh, modern setting being like they hinted that it's going to be first person. They they said it's uh, you're no longer uh, playing as Desmond. You're no longer playing as an ancestor of these people. The idea now is that Abstergo can access anyone's past as long as they have their DNA. So the idea is you're a research assistant who is researching the Kenway family, and that's why you're jumping back into Edwards. So it's kind of like and I'm not making a joke, Assassin's Creed Liberation, where I wasn't related yeah. to her. It was just like the portable version of the Animus I could jump into. That's exactly what it is. It's, uh, it's, it's, that is the new model, basically. Uh, I mean, it sounds like they fleshed it out more than they did in, Liber- in Liberation, but yeah, like the idea is Abstergo has a branch called Abstergo Entertainment, and uh-huh. the idea is that you can buy use of the Animus. Like, you can buy time of jumping into the past as long as you have mm-hmm. their DNA, uh-huh. and Abstergo has, like, people's DNA on record, presumably. Interesting. Um, what you talk, I, I haven't. I still have not been to my desk. Like I said, I haven't read about it. I don't know much about it. What, what do you mean, first person? Is the whole game um, first person? No, 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 no. The stuff in the past is like it always is. It's very Assassin's Creed. Well, I mean, I'll get to that in a second. But uh, perspective wise, it's like it always is. But it sounds like, and they haven't one hundred percent confirmed this. It sounds like the the modern day stuff is in first person. Interesting. Because the idea is instead of Desmond, it's you. <gasps> it's oh. me. You play as, as the new research assistant who's going back in time. I've always wanted to be a research assistant. <laughs> yeah, right. it's a pretty great job. <laughs> um, in another life, Colin. But See yeah, in another life, brother. The uh, the stuff in the past is kind of interesting. I mean, Mitch keeps comparing it to Far Cry. It's oh. um, it's set before Assassin's Creed Three. You're, you're in like the 1715 era, I believe. Okay. Um, playing as the grandfather of Connor. Okay. So you're the father of Hatham, grandfather <sighs> of Connor. 
And the idea is that they're going to follow this, uh, the Kenway saga now. So the way before you had a trilogy focusing on Ezio, yeah. sounds like now we're going to get another, a third part to this saga, which will continue to focus on the Kenways. I see. Colin, do you He's care at all? He's asleep. Colin's dead. Do you care at all? No. You're finally, you're, you're, <laughs> you, we've talked about it before. You never liked the gameplay of any Assassin's no. Creed games. You did, you did the, the respectable thing. Toughed them out. You, you platinum Assassin's Creed 2. Did you play some of Brotherhood? I forget. Getting no, ready for I didn't three. play any of those. Okay. No. But then you, you started playing three. You're a big American history guy. It didn't work for you? No. No, no, no. Did no, you no, finish no. it? No, no, yeah. no. I can't do that. Did you finish it? Yeah, I finished it. I didn't, I didn't do anything. I didn't try the multiplayer. I didn't like try yeah. many of the optional missions. But yeah, I finished it. Well, I can't go any further. Uh, oh, I, I didn't like it. I mean, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> the problem for me was that I, I just didn't like Connor, I think is my mm, biggest issue with mm. that game. Like, uh, I also don't like how much control they took away from you. Like, right. I mean, you're you're doing like one, one thing that was cool in Assassin's Creed one. And I think two also is that um, you have more of these open ended assassinations, right? You go into a city and they're like, OK, this is your guy. However you want to get to him, go for it. Whereas in AC3, that wasn't really the case. In AC3, it gave you a very specific route to follow. You had to get to that person, and you finally did, and then they got killed in a cutscene or a quick time event. And so, like, you never felt like you were in control of what was going on gotcha. in the way you used to be. Um, it's also just really repetitive. I don't know. It just it, it bummed me out. Uh, the ship battles were a nice change of pace, though. I think even you would agree. Yeah, um, I like those. I was hoping the game would be based around those. Yeah, well, and it seems like now. So what they said to us is it's about a sixty forty split of a sixty percent land, forty percent like naval. And they also said that um. The, the naval stuff in AC3 was like putting your toe in the water. That, that's significantly deeper of a system than that. You can, in the middle of a battle, you can uh, throw out a rope and board another ship and take over nice. that way. Like, that's cool. There's a lot of cool stuff like that. Assassin's um, Creed games always sound cool. Yeah. That's, and that's, and that's wanna, the problem, right? That's what I want to talk to you about. Did, did, you didn't like 3. Did, what's your impression now? You went and saw it or did you just hear about it? I'm not even sure what you saw. We went and saw a demo. So we saw the two trailers that were released today as well as some like in-engine early like alpha style footage. Sure. Like it, it definitely isn't done. Although it's been in development for quite a while. I mean the, the prevailing theory is that, which I, you know, I, I don't know anything about this and maybe it's not true, but a lot of people are suggesting this may have been a, a different game, an open-world pirate game that has since been kind of retconned into an Assassin's Creed mm, game. Um, I don't know if there's any truth behind that, but I find that really interesting because this has been development. I mean, of course, this is an annualized franchise, but this has been development for about two years, it sounds like. Gotcha. Um, and I don't know. I, I, again, like, I, I think you nailed it. Like, like, the reveal of Assassin's Creed games are always really cool. They make it sound really cool. When you sit down to play it, will it be as cool as they make it sound? I don't know. Mm, but mm. three certainly wasn't. Yeah, I, see, I don't. Yeah, I, I I still stand out as the one person who was like, I was enjoying Assassin's Creed Three for the three hours I played it, and then it got sad. So you I've never, never played as Connor. No, I never played <laughs> as Connor. No. Exactly. Yeah, and that's what's so crazy. Like, I actually I think Hatham's actually really cool. Um, Mitch and I have that conversation a lot. Like, I I think Hatham's a really interesting character, but Connor just isn't. And like like a lot of people who defend Assassin's Creed Three say that was on purpose. Say that it's like he's meant to be very stoic. He's meant to kind of take in things that are going on and and all he really cares about is doing the right thing like he's not meant to be this like really enthusiastic guy with like a lot of personality but to me it's like then why make him your main character like i have to care about him to care about what's going on yeah i just feel like well greg heard me heard me play the game so i hear you play a lot of things because it's just, it's just, I just, I was just screaming yeah. at the TV for a week. No, I mean, it's I like, I, I finished Tomb Raider this weekend. And like in Tomb Raider, you care about what's happening in Lara Croft. Even yeah. if you don't care about the people around her and, and some of the other things, like when she's learning, when she's worried about something, like you care that she cares. And that just totally isn't the case for, for Connor. Like I never understood his motivation. And I, it took me so long to become that character that I was already invested in somebody else. Like, I don't know. I just didn't, 
it didn't feel like they did the characterization right for me. Do you? I saw a lot of kids on Twitter today. Rich George, you know, obviously leads Assassin's Creed coverage for us. Mm-hmm. He was tweeting, he was retweeting a lot of responses, and he was like, you know, this isn't in a, you know, people are like, this is too quick of a turnaround, only a year. And Rich was pointing out that it's been in development so long. And somebody pointed out something interesting that was, that's fine, but that also means they didn't have, they have no chance to learn from the mistakes of Assassin's Creed 3. I thought that yeah. was interesting. Yeah, that's true too. I mean, it's, uh, Ubisoft is a very, very big company. I put up an interview today with, uh, the managing director of Ubisoft France, um, and they they have something like twenty six studios now in like like multiple countries. Like it's like they're in Paris, they're in Kiev, they're in Montreal. I mean, they're they're very spread out, and so you know they have a lot of different teams working on these games. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure this was in development concurrently with AC three. Like um, I I think that's probably true that there, there's not a lot of opportunities for them to step back and look at consumer feedback maybe until the next one. Mm. And I wonder now if they're breaking out of that pattern. Like maybe now it will be next year will be five. The next year will be six. Like maybe they're, they're not going to do spinoffs anymore. At some point you got to stop saying five and six though. Yeah, I agree. You got to get away from that. Sounds yeah. crazy. Maybe the spinoffs will all be on Vita. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they'll do another Vita game. Yeah, we'll see. I'm not, I'm not convinced that they well. won't. Yeah, yeah it did. Well. It sold really well. Yep. Um, well, for Vita. Yeah, 600,000 copies. That's pretty good for any game to be honest. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, shut up. Um, also, do you like that he's the only one wearing headphones? Yeah. I like being able to hear your voice. <laughs> you, you can hear it when you take them off. We just nope. don't sound like we're on radio. I'm deaf without them. Uh, number three. Is Gran Turismo 6 a PlayStation 3 game? It certainly seems like it. In an interview with Silicon Republic, SCEE's, that's Sony Computer Entertainment Europe, Greg. We call them Ski here at IGM. <laughs> Senior Vice President Michael Denny noted that GT6 is coming to PS3 in 2013 when he was talking about PlayStation 3's longevity. He said it with conviction and didn't go back and try to correct himself. This created such a stir that Silicon Republic actually released the audio of him saying it, and well, he definitely said it. We reached out to Sony for comment, and all they told us is that we'll know more soon. Uh, listeners might know Michael Denny because he was on stage for like a half an hour during the PS4 reveal, so he's uh, in the know. He's not like some mid-level executive. He's a pretty big deal. He's intimately involved with first-party development for Sony. Um, I 100% believe that Grand Turismo 6 is a PlayStation 3 game, and it will the come out in 2013. The fact that they haven't clarified says yes. It is yeah. 100% well, and plus, Colin, you, you nailed it. Like, I mean, listen to how he says it. He doesn't say it like he's like fumbling for names in his head. Oh, you know, like, uh, Beyond, Last of Us, and uh, you know, GT6. Like, that's not how he says it. He just lists it off really confidently with, with the list of other games. Yeah, he's like The Last of Us, and Beyond Two Souls, and GT6. I think oh, man. Just put a, a little of effect. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah, that yeah. was that was somebody who was raging. That, right yeah. that guy has a really it's a subtle accent. Yeah, but his voice, like every time I hear him, I'm like, that's Michael Denny. I know it's him, and he's like got a very specific way of speaking. So I'm not even gonna try to mimic it. But he said it like he thought it was already revealed or whatever. Yeah, uh, and I agree with Greg, uh, just knowing Sony that the fact that they just won't talk about it means that it's true. Yeah, yeah. which is typical. I mean, the question <laughs> is, and and we do, we have a PlayStation conversation about this already, but <laughs> do you think that it's both, or do you think it's just no? PS3? I think it's just PS3. The like I said in the PlayStation conversation, this now puts Drive Club and the fact that Evolution Studios is working on a real realistic simulation racer uh, completely in context. Because if GT... Let's put it all in the context. Let's do it. Let's Get the context it. table in here. Put it on here. the table, yeah. uh, Hold on. All right, I got it. So... <laughs> Um, Monster walk, man. <laughs> Casanori said back in 2010 that Gran Turismo 6 was in development. We've known about this game since Gran Turismo 5 was released. Um... In 2010, there was no way the PS4 dev kits were available, even the first-party studios. So the studio likely went on to start working on Gran Turismo 6, trying to probably get it out a little sooner than it's going to end up being, being out, which is their normal you know, way of doing business. Um, and when they realized that they were going to have a very late PlayStation 3 game, they took Evolution, which apparently, rumor is, uh, assimilated a lot of UK racing team uh, talent. 
um, that is away from the arcade racers that they usually make in MotorStorm. And they started making Drive Club. Now, Drive Club, I don't think, is a launch title. I think Drive Club will be out in 2014. They haven't confirmed it either way. Now, if that's true and Gran Turismo comes out in, say, November, in October, September maybe, um, then that makes perfect sense. There's a $75 million unit install base. Gran Turismo 5 is the best-selling PS3 game of all time. So assume that Gran Turismo 6 will be up there as On well. On a disc. Let's not forget about Super Rub-A-Dub. Yeah, that's true. Super <laughs> Rub-A-Dub is a big seller. Big seller. Um, so it all makes sense. I'm totally confident that GT6 is a PS3-only game. Um, Polyphony, I don't think, has the bandwidth to make a PS4 and a PS3 game at the same time. I'm sure the PS4 game's in production, but I think that they're probably working on this this game to polish right now. And if I, you know, was, uh, you know, looking into the future and kind of figuring things out, I would say that it's a PS3 and a Vita game. I, I um, think that's... Be, and it'll yeah. be both. I agree with that. I think... Um, you know, the point of having a racing game at launch, and, and McCaffrey says this all the time, it's why he thinks that the next Xbox will launch with a Forza game. You want to have a racing game available in the launch window and in roughly the first six months of the system because it's such an easy way to show off what next gen is capable of. Having that like crazy car model and people going, holy crap. That and, car looks like my car. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but the thing with, with GT6, if they're, if they're like up-resing it from PS3, you don't really get that. Right. You know, putting it on PS4 as a PS3 game with better resolution isn't going to give you that effect. So... I totally agree. I think it's been development long enough that this is likely a PS3 game. And, you know, we, we reported on that survey a while back that it's also going to be cross-play on Vita. So. Yeah, I think, I, yeah, I think it'll be a PS3 Vita cross-play game. But we'll see what happens. And I hope we learn about it soon. I, we'll probably won't learn about it until E3, to be honest. I, I played a lot of Need for Speed on Vita, so I would love a really cool, uh, like, racing sim. That would actually be really fun. Uh, number four. What? You can go far just being crazy. <laughs> It's how we pass the time in the Roper Report. <laughs> Number four, PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale is getting new DLC and an exclusive broken by me. Two new oh, characters no. are joining the roster, Isaac Clark from Dead Space and Zeus from God of War. A new stage is also coming, mixing up Medieval with the Unfinished Swan. The DLC will be available on March 19th. I've known about this for like a month and a half, so I had to stay really quiet. Yeah, I was... You're lucky this didn't blow up like Black Flag. Huh? <laughs> I know. Yeah, uh, yeah I, saw th- I saw this a long time ago. I mean, it's crazy how um, excited people really must cool. be for Zeus because what a, waste. That, what a beloved character. Yeah, I think Isaac's cool. I think that's a cool yeah. Idea. Isaac is cool. I was really disappointed when I I was down there for other reasons, and they showed it to me. Um, and uh, I saw Zeus, and I was like, this is a complete waste. But yeah. um, he's a cool character in the game. It's just like I want why why is, you know well it's for Ascension, I'm sure. I mean, there's so much God of War in PlayStation All Stars, right? You have two stages. You have Kratos, Kratos. himself. Now you have Zeus. There's the boots of Hermes in yeah, the level. I stuff. think there's a couple items, right? Right. I can't remember yeah. the other one. Oh no, the head isn't one of them, right? Medusa. That was one of the rumored ones. It's one of Kratos' moves, but it's not something you yeah. pick up. Yeah. No, yeah. I think it is. Is it? Is it? Yeah. It was just... Was, not, it was they, a they, DLC or something? Yeah, you had to download a patch to get it because it wasn't ready yet. Because remember, the trophy was originally in it, and it screwed up the trophy list. Right. Remember that? Thank you. That's why I asked me. That's how we figured out how trophy lists work. It's all sequential. <laughs> Interesting. Because of that trophy being removed. But yeah, like, Isaac's cool. Isaac's a cool idea. But yeah, yeah. Zeus was like, what? Really? Yeah. I think, I think that shows in kind of the comments on the site, too. That's how most people felt. Yeah. But. What do we know anything about what this means for future DLC with like Superbot, you know, and them? Sony up? Santa Monica is taking over. Okay. Uh, I think they were I, already doing this. I would assume this okay. is the final Superbot thing, though, right? Yeah, I think Superbot was not done with it, um, and Santa Monica took it over. And I wouldn't be surprised if this was it, but we'll see. Okay. That would mess up one of my 2013 predictions, which is that we're going to see new DLC at E3, but they're not going to address it at the press conference. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Uh, number five, according to Sony Europe CEO Jim Ryan, PS3 games you don't know about. Oh, wait. You don't know about are still coming. So games you don't know about yet. Yeah. Games you haven't heard of. Unannounced right. games. Me uh, specifically? Yeah. 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 Quote, there's other stuff on PS3 yet to be announced with 
God, I can't fucking talk. It's fine. That's because I actually just misspelled it. There's other stuff on PS3 yet to be announced. So word is it perfectly spelled. Too. You can't figure it out. <laughs> well, I said with. He noted. Uh, that's end quote. He is, re- is he referring to the aforementioned Gran Turismo 6? Probably. Yeah. Uh, you have to assume. I don't know what else I mean, could possibly yeah. be unannounced. What other franchises? Well, other than Patapon, relax. What other franchises do they even have that uh, that we haven't seen from in a while it's that aren't going to be on PS4? It's more about what studio is making these games. Starhawk 2. Uh, it could. I heard an interesting theory that Little Big Planet Three might be a PS3 game, which actually would be interesting. Um, yeah. But I don't know if that's really true. Yeah. Silly, but it'd be interesting. Yeah, and I still think Uncharted Four might be a PS3 game. Number that would, six, that would be yeah, that would be crazy. <sighs> Number six, Capcom's Remember Me, an interesting looking Remember game, me. first revealed last year, has a release date. It'll come to the US on June fourth, Australia on June sixth, and Europe on June seventh. That game looks really fucking cool. Yeah. If yeah. you haven't seen stuff about Remember Me, go go watch the trailer. Go read. I some stuff love about the it. plot of that game too. Yeah, I think too. that's actually really really that interesting. I don't remember anymore. So it's 2084 in Neo Paris, and the idea is you play this girl named Nilan who wakes up in a prison and has no memory. Uh-huh. But uh, the technology exists that she can basically hack into people's heads, take their memories, and learn about herself. So you're like you're discovering things as you go, and you're discovering the combat you can do. And as you progress ah, through the okay. game, you're learning moves because you're remembering that you're capable of doing them. Remember me. And uh, I remember seeing it at New York Comic Con. Um, and it was really cool that they showed a scene where she's going. You go into people's minds and manipulate their own memories um, to make them do the things you want them to do. And she he goes into. She goes into like some guy, some executive's memory to manipulate him so that he thinks he killed his wife, Damn. but he didn't really kill his wife. Then he kills himself, and then he kills himself. Yeah, Damn. It's hardcore. That sucks. It's uh, <laughs> I read it. Fucked up. She's at home making a pot roast. <laughs> he call. like in the real memory. He like so it's cool. Like in the real memory, it's almost like heavy rain in a way. In the real memory, you go in and you see what happens, and he throws like a wine bottle at the door next door, and it breaks, and she like runs out, all mad or whatever. Obviously, well, that's not well. Indeed. And then you can go in and manip- start manipulating shit. And like, there's like a gun and like like a glass and like all, like all sorts of stuff. And you try to make it so that he hurts her, um, but like it backfires. Like he puts the gun down and like keeps it cocked, and he ends up killing himself with it on a mistake and stuff like that. But then it's something like he throws the bottle at her and like actually kills her in the memory. But that didn't really happen. But he wakes up from the memory and then he's like all distraught and he kills himself. Yep. Yeah, it's. I uh, think the same screwed up that like Muppets come in and kill people. <laughs> <laughs> I read an article by Colin Moriarty that this was originally a uh, PS3 exclusive. It was. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It was. Um, number seven. The longest one on your list here. Yep. I enjoy that. Yeah, that's a that's a big. I'm paragraph. sure it'll be for the biggest game on the list too, right? <laughs> the sequel to the PSN exclusive Rainbow Moon. God, I lost that bet. <laughs> Who the fuck? It's called Rainbow Skies, and it's due out in 2014. East Asia Soft, the game's publisher, provided us with a bunch of exclusive information, including that it will focus on playing in two parallel worlds, which sounds really cool. Sounds like Final Fantasy VI. That there will be a greater visual variety in the sequel, including a better, more robust soundtrack. That there will be new camera angles, blah blah blah. The story will be better fleshed out. Um, there'll be decisions in it, which is cool. Uh, the publisher declined to nail down what consoles it will be on, though they told me that you can take a pretty good guess is where it's going to end up considering where it's other three games soldier x soldier x2 and rainbow moon ended up esp <clears throat> exactly <laughs> um yeah best off your i um, we'll be able to talk more about the game soon i think i'm waiting i haven't played rainbow moon at all i'm waiting for the vita one so yeah me too the vita one will be done uh q3 exciting the waste they are very very small so they are having you know, some they have to take some time. I don't want to say they're having trouble because I don't know that, but they're taking. You know, it takes time. I think there's only like ten of them. What, like, like they're like they're short guys, so their fingers don't work quickly. You beat me to it. I was gonna be like, they have to call people into the room to lift the Vita. <laughs> uh, number eight, 
March's PlayStation Plus perks have been revealed for North America. There are five free games this month. Vita's Disguise 3 Absence of Detention, PSN's Joe Danger the Movie, PS3's Spec Ops The Line, which is fucking awesome, PSP's Tekken 6, and PSN's The Cave. Guardians of Middle-Earth, Quantum Conundrum, Dungeon Defenders, Foosball 2012, and Plants vs. Zombies on Vita are all going to be removed from the free catalog soon, so download them now. Dun, dun, dun. Spec Ops The Line, that's a big win. Hell yeah. yeah that's, awesome. that's a really, really good game. One of my games that's of the year last year. I still haven't played it. What the F? I know I need to. Uh, Alright, here's you oh. don't you don't get a Bioshock Infinite disc <laughs> until you beat Spec Ops the line. This podcast is brought to you by Audible, a provider of audiobooks with more than a hundred thousand titles to choose from. For listeners of Beyond, Audible is offering a free audiobook download when you sign up for a free thirty day trial. If you're not already quoting from it every day, may we suggest checking out Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. It's like the Matrix mixed with video games, Star Wars, and transforming Japanese robots. And we love it. To get started, head to audiblepodcast.com slash podcastbeyond and follow the instructions to get your free audiobook. On with the show. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine. To celebrate Vita's first year on the market, Sony has released a new slew of freebies and discounts in addition to the significant Vita disc software discounts announced, next, uh, announced last week. I can't type. For starters. Anyone at all, PS Plus or not, can download these four games for free. Wild Arms, Ooh. Patapon, Piotama, and Patchwork Heroes. The later, the latter three are PSP games. Wild Arms, of course, is a PS1 classic. Patapon, go ahead and download it for free. Check it out. See if you enjoy it. If you enjoy it, stop playing it and buy Patapon 3. Because you can buy Patapon 3 now. They just added that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I saw that. Patapon 3 is like no the, 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 the one. That's the one they they learned. They brought it together. There you go. 17 additional Vita games have been discounted for 30% for everyone and 50% for PSP as well. So including all of the deals, it's uh, virtually every Vita game is now on sale. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. Um, and number 10, finally, sadly, layoffs have hit TimeGate Studios, the devs who helped make the critical disaster, Aliens, Colonial <laughs> Marines. The studio also worked on Section 8 and Fear Files. Our best go out to all of those affected. That's it. That's it. That's the end of the rope report, everybody. Go farm. Mm-hmm. You're excited for this Bioshock Infinite. I'm pretty excited. It's coming up soon. Yep. But it's not here yet. Nope. If you wanted to go into a store right now and buy games off of a shelf, games that were out... Where would you go to find out what came out this week? The official list of IGN software <laughs> updated by the IGN editors. Oh my god, that was bad. I know, that was pretty terrible. Alright. How many? How close was I? Like 50%. Okay. The official list of upcoming PlayStation software on all three, all three platforms, platforms by, by the IGN, IGN editors. <laughs> Damn it. It's been a long day. I'm really tired. Me too. <laughs> uh, and retail, Tomb Raider's out. Awesome game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I beat it this you weekend. beat it. I beat it. You're mm-hmm. into it. Like, only like 30 minutes. You're yeah. I'm stuff. going back and playing Bioshock right now. Do I need to, the copy mm-hmm. I have right now, go back in the library? Or should I give, are you going to play it soon? Uh, People are fighting for it. I would say hang on to it. Uh, yeah. Well, I know that's the whole, that's the whole point, though. If somebody, it's short. If he's going to play Bioshock and Platinum Bioshock. Yeah, that's fine. Just get, I don't care. You'll get it eventually. Uh, MLB 13, the show is out, which is cool. <sighs> Oh. <laughs> and Atelier Aisha, the Alchemist of Dusk, which we have not received in the office yet. Damn it. For obvious People reasons. People are fighting over that one, too. Got to keep the uh, library copy. Vita, MLB 13, the show, is also... Remember, you have to buy these games separately. Ooh. But you can get a discount if you bought them off Amazon together. Yeah. yeah. Like 20 bucks. It was funny seeing McCaffrey holding a Vita today. He's like, like what is this? Like it was a, an alien artifact. <laughs> like examining it. Uh, PSN. BitTrip presents Runner 2. Fist of the North Star 2. Ken's Rage. Fuel Overdose, 
Germinator and Port Royale Three: Pirates and Merchants. Port Royale Three, I've been meaning to play for a long time. That yeah. game sounds really fucking cool. Germinator Runner Two, good when we first saw it a long time. Ago. Yeah, Germinator's on Vita as well. This is the PSN one. Runner Two is supposed to be amazing. Like Altano won't shut up about it. Mitch really likes it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, on PS2, PS2 Classics, uh, two Rockstar games: Midnight Club Two and Midnight Club Street Racing. Uh, and demos for Bit Trip presents Runner Two, Knit Underground on Vita, and Tiger Woods PGA Tour 14 on PS3. That's it. <laughs> Also Sports today. noises with Greg. Yeah. <laughs> I nailed them, right? <laughs> Go for it. What do you want topic of the week to be? Um, Moriarty's Bioshock playthrough. Oh, yeah. How's that going? It's good. You, you played it before? Play, yeah. You played it once or twice? Yeah. You're going to platinum it now, though? Yeah. It's, it's a, a hard never got, platinum. Uh, yeah, I never got far. I mean, it's, it's an even harder 100% because you have to do the challenge rooms and stuff, which are not fun. Those are not good. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I want to prepare again, and I want to, I would like to beat Bioshock 2. I never beat Bioshock 2. Um... Hmm. So yeah, that's fun. <laughs> okay, all right. Cool. Topic of the week. All right, good topic of the week. We, we, the we're... game came out in 2007. We shouldn't really give a shit about talking about it right now, should we? Okay, no, no fine. Chris Abrams writes in to Beyond at IGN.com. He says Beyond. 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 At the end of the new trailer for Assassin's Creed for Black Flag, when the box art and release date is revealed, there is a tagline coming to the next coming to next generation console. Also down in the bottom, next to the PlayStation 3 logo, is the PS4 logo. Is Sony hinting? That the PlayStation 4 will be released in November with Assassin's Creed as a launch title. No. No. I, think I mean, they saying... don't say day and date. They just say also coming to next exactly. gen consoles. That's they get around it, I think. Yeah. That's I mean, I think it's October 29th is AC4. If yeah, I that's right. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think just like we were saying, I mean, maybe, maybe PS4 will be up by then. I mean, we played this game with Wii U also. People were announcing their games. They're like also coming to Wii U at a later date. And we just never know. Um, I My money's still in November for... Um, for PS4. Gotcha. Agreed. It'll be shortly thereafter, though. Ryan S. from Buffalo, New York writes in. He says Beyond. Beyond. At one point when talking about the PlayStation 4 hardware, Greg mentioned the possibility of the new SimCity possibly coming to console. This has been uh, Colin Moriarty's jam for a long time. He says it's coming, 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 coming. I don't think it'll come. The game looks amazing, and I'd love to play it, but I really don't want to spend the money upgrading my two-year-old PC right now to run it. Do you think the PlayStation 4 will use SimCity? Yes. SimCity? It, uh, Jason Haber from yeah I got his name right Maxis. Jason Haber from Maxis I was more concerned that I got his last name wrong sure sure uh, he came on up at noon today Monday which will be old by the time he did he talk about that he did I asked him and he, he did the whole PRA dance around it. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that bet it's definitely coming on a console right now they're focusing on Mac he says oh there's a pizza, b- pizza bet line. there he goes sure, I'll take pizza. That Mitchell Morgan quit school yeah add this one to the tracker <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'll get... happily take that bet or, I mean what's the deadline no, I think it will not. I think it will stay on PC. I don't know, a few years at the most. I think it will be out probably next year. Uh, oh, no let's give it one year from today announcement. If it hasn't been announced by one year from today, I win. Six, no, 18 months from today announcement. So E3. If it hasn't been announced yeah, okay. by, E3, by 2014. E3 2014, okay. then I win. Okay. Sure. There you go. My, pro- my problem with it is this, that I think that right now they're working on the Mac version, getting it, getting it to run on the Mac. That's still just a general spring release. Yeah. And then once they get past that, what's the – I mean, like – they're going to sit down and try to worry about how mouse and keyboard figure into this, how the control, like dual shock works with it. I don't think it'll you don't happen. want that crap. To clarify, by the way, Mitchell, if uh, if they do announce it at E3 2014, Colin still win. Like I'm saying, when that show ends, they will still not have announced it. That, that game is coming to PS4. No, no way. Okay. Uh, what are we going to see? Diablo? In <laughs> I know. I know. Remember when I said Diablo was going to come to consoles? I know. I was. That was totally <laughs> out of. Heck. I was totally out of left field. What the hell was I thinking with Diablo 3 thinking I was going to come? Paul writes into Beyond at IGN.com just like you can. He says, when Diablo 3 comes out for PlayStation 3 later this year, do you think it will be included? Do you think it will included 
and an expansion pack. Rumors are when BlizzCon hits later this year, they will discuss a Diablo 3 expansion or a WoW expansion. I don't think it would. I think it'll be the base game. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they'd even support it with DLC. I, I'm not sure that they're... I'm interested to see how this game does on uh, on consoles. Yeah, I really am too. I mean, people who are the hardcore Diablo fans, not only have they already played it on PC, but a lot of them are burnt out on, on PC. Like, there is this weird backlash to, to Diablo 3 and... They haven't added, like, the PvP expansion. They haven't added all the things they said they were going to do. If we suddenly see the core game arrive on PS3 and then be behind the PC version when it finally does get PvP and stuff, I just can't imagine people caring. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's why, like, for me, that was... You know, we all we all kind of thought Diablo 3 was coming, um, as Colin always says. <laughs> but uh, I, I oh, think... did we? Actually seeing it during that press conference was still surprising I think Clemens was the only one who ever argued against you, right? Yeah, yeah probably. I we think saw so. what happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, um, but yeah, it was it was surprising me to see it at the press conference, but now that I've kind of had time to let it sink in, I just don't think it's epic. Now deal. you're mad. You don't care. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I wanted him to come out and say WoW. I thought if WoW was coming, that would have been sure. amazing. Or just a new game from Blizzard would have been really cool. No, nobody cares. StarCraft Ghost on PS3. <laughs> We're bringing it back. By the way, Clemens... He now works at Deep Silver. Congratulations, yeah. everybody. Round of applause. Community manager? Is that U- a title? U.S. community manager. U.S. community yeah. manager. So they'll go over to Deep Silver. Yeah. Talk so about... He's uh, going to talk about Saints Row 4. Dead Island. I just spit. It narrowly missed your head. Oh, really? Yeah. I would have never known. I'd be like, is it right in here? I'm getting blessed by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I was thinking about when we were talking about Jimmy John, the sandwich place or whatever, yeah. and you were talking about how his parents would... Yeah, Jimmy John, watch Jimmy John. You get out of that kitchen. You get to school. I'm, uh, I'm gonna make sandwiches for a living. <laughs> what? Ain't nobody buying your sandwiches. But I'll be so fast, no freak, mom. <laughs> we haven't been there in, like weeks. I know. I know. Colin, you and I were going a lot. We haven't been to soup in a while either. I know. I'm not soup. Yeah, yeah. something kind of over that place. Let's take a walk. This is kind of beef. You should go to Jimmy John's tomorrow and then bring back a sandwich. You give it to me on the live stream. You want to do that? Oh, I'm sorry. No He's Are you too that. busy? Decline Embry <laughs> writes in. He says beyond. 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 Do you guys think the PS4 will be playable at PAX Prime? Not PAX East in a couple weeks. PAX Prime in the summer post E3. I think it's a good question. Well, PS4? Is that what the yeah. question is? Yeah, I think it's only I mean, yes. we'll play it at E3. Because so it'll be playable at E3, yes. Yeah, I think so. That's their chance. I mean, I, to, because, I mean, PAX isn't a, a press show, really. It's a community show. Yeah, I think um, I would even say Comic Con is possible. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Wait, is Comic Con's after E3 this year? Yeah, yeah, it's right. July, I think. Correct, yeah, that's right. In the sweltering San Diego heat, what a, ple- <laughs> what a pleasure Comic-Con is. I mean, that'll be insane. If they have PlayStation 4 at Comic-Con, I mean, Sony's booth is already over, always overtaken. It would be yeah. incredibly crazy. See, I think, I think they'd have a better shot at doing behind-closed-doors press demos then. They might also do the, um, the thing they did with Vita where they, they rent out like a little space and do like a Vita experience, you know? Mm-hmm. They could do that for PS4. Oh, yeah, Nintendo used to do that with like mall tours for the Wii. They did do that. They did do that. I'm scrolling through the Beyond Mailbag. Like I said, I haven't been back to my desk in a long time. It's okay. Fill some time. Talk to him about something. Trophy. How are you doing, Colin? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. I'm really tired. I'm really tired, too. It's been a, it's been a, it's long, been a long day. day. I beat uh, Sly Cooper Thieves in Time yesterday. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I told Ninja XYZ, thank you for making the entire game oh, yourself. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. He worked real hard on that. I have to figure, if, if anyone can, can tweet at me and tell me how to do the, because I, I did it on Vita. I beat it on Vita. I have like 30-something percent of the trophies. Uh, I'm going to borrow the PS3 version from Greg. I'm going to take it home, and I have to figure out how to double up on trophies. I'm told you don't have to replay the whole game. You, no, you, you don't. Just, you, you just, just, just turn just, it on, and you, tra- you load your you save and download your save. But my, my problem is, on the Vita version, the only option, because there's a cross-save thing in the pause menu, yeah. all it says is download from cloud. And I hit it, and it just doesn't do anything. It just times out. I think that it's because you might not have activated a PS3 version of the game yet. Okay, so maybe that'll work. So try it out. It's very easy. Okay. It'll be fine, yeah. Okay. It's so, so quick you'll freak. 
Chimichar! <laughs> Eric Flicker writes in, What's up, Beyond Crew? Hello. Just cu- nothing. <laughs> What's up? Hello. <laughs> Just curious, do you think that it's weird that with the PlayStation 4, games will no longer have the title screen asking you to press start? Beyond. There's no start button. There's an option button. Oh. Remember? So what are you going to say now? I didn't think touch about Touch your touchpad. Hit that touchpad. You're blowing my mind. Rub that touchpad. Press the share button. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't thought about it either. I, no, guess it is. I mean, we had heard, we still obviously haven't gotten our hands in the controller, but we had heard in the past that the, the actual touchscreen itself can be clicked in like a button. I don't know if that input is still there, but theoretically... You just say, pause! Right into the controller. (laughs) Start button, go! (laughs) Xbox, on! Yeah, I don't know. That's a a really good point. I've never thought about that. So I don't know. It'll be weird. Uh, Well, he's just asking, would it be weird? It's going to be weird, yeah. And then if Xbox has a start button, then it is another one of those weird things. a lot of games just say press any button. I mean... Not as many as you think. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see what Bioshock says. Cody writes into beyond at IGN.com. He says, I love my Vita and the games I have on it, but it also has the potential for cool apps. Is there any news about more apps coming to the Vita? And what apps would you like to see arrive? Wake Up on Club. The Vita? Yeah, you have Wake Up Club. There you go. That's, That's a game. It is. The game of waking up <laughs> for work. <laughs> the hardest game of all. I get, I get tweets sometimes. They're like, I just beat your ass in Wake Up Club. And I'm like, all right, well, it's not like I'm actively playing it. Um, hey, man, I got up quicker here, than you. Back at Comic-Con. And this is already out in the UK, similar to whatever Frostbite or Frostbisher says. That took forever to come out here. Right. But they showed that graffiti app yeah. where you tag things and then if I would, you know, if we passed each other in Muni and I'd go and I'd look at the same thing, I'd see your tag. and we, I thought that was a cool idea. Wow. Sure. Just touch my lips, just touch my mic. I hate when that happens. But I thought that was a cool idea. I'd like to see that app come up. Yeah, no, that would be awesome. There, there are a lot of like little productivity apps that would just be nice. I mean, think about the, the things you do in an iPhone that you don't have in the Vita. What would I do that? Like, I don't, when, I, when I have the Vita, I, even like Twitter, I'll, I'll be playing the Vita and I'll be like, I want to check Twitter. I'll pull out Twitter. I don't. I I'm guess. Phone. I, would check, I would check Twitter from my, from my Vita. Do you? No. Oh, you is, said I is would. there an app? I, I didn't even idiot. know there was an app. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> yes. There's been a Twitter app for like ever, for a long, long time. Welp. So to answer the question, no, I don't use See, apps on Yeah, the you don't even think about it that way. You don't yeah. Even, that, there's two separate devices. I've used Netflix on Vita. It's actually really nice and OLED. But that's, that's about it. Okay. Well, speaking of apps on the Vita, there's a new app coming to the Vita <gasps> for Dust514. <sighs> We're going to talk about Dust514 with David Arita right now from CCP. Colin? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The brilliant mind behind <laughs> Dust514, David Reed, here in the office. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Colin's here, too. Hello. And then, um, who's this guy over here? CCP's residence. Uh, senior wow. PR specialist, Alex Brewer, oh, CCP Gonzo. <laughs> CCP Gonzo. Um, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. David, how many Red Bulls have you had so far today? I'm on number three. And drinking a cup of coffee. Well, you know, it's a, it's, CCP is a global empire. We got stuff going on in Shanghai and Reykjavik, and there's not so a lot of sleep So you don't sleep. Not <laughs> you a lot. need to be awake at all times. <laughs> Absolutely. Talk to me a little bit about uh, Dust514. It's finally upon us. People can download it. Everyone can play it. Absolutely. But it's, but it's the beta. It is still open beta. We officially entered open beta on January 22nd. I think last time we had this discussion, we were in closed beta on the verge of a big thing we did with IGN in the closed beta. Uh, January 22, we opened it up officially, what we call unfettered access to all PlayStation 3 owners. I like and that. yeah, we've moved from what was hundreds of thousands of players in the closed beta to millions of players very quickly. The attraction between not just people playing Dust, but people between Eve and Dust 
just playing together has just been really interesting to watch. Believe it or not, a lot of times people, they start downloading the podcast Beyond. They're new to it. Some of yeah. Colin, I had to answer a comment today on mm. last week's Beyond about uh, why do people yell Beyond? Mm. And the kid's like, I've been listening for two years and don't know why. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Anyways. If somebody's new, tell me about Eve talking to dust. Yeah, sure. What, what is Eve? Is it like Adam Eve from Invincible? <laughs> it's, it's a little different. A great comic. Wow. All right. Nice reference. Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Nice I'm, I'm catching up. I'm caught up. The uh, so it is not like Adam Eve. It is. Uh, <laughs> it is. It is. Eve is a game that's been running for ten years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are on the verge of our tenth birthday on May sixth, twenty thirteen. Uh, game started with thirty developers in Reykjavik, Iceland, building a game that they thought might have a chance of, of competing in the market alongside the likes of Earth and Beyond and, and much larger budgeted titles. But uh, but what happened, of course, over time was Eve and the design team there hit on something very unique, that rather than designing content with, you know, teams of people making, uh, in a fantasy world, dungeons and quests and NPCs and things like that, they put tools in the universe so that gamers could figure out how to do their own stories, how to interact with each other. So as Eve continues to have expansions, it's more about how players are able to interact with each other in ways that they continue to do in a very interesting way. And so what happens is we have this real emergent gameplay in what we call our sandbox. And on top of that, we have a single shard universe. Everyone playing Eve is on the same server with everybody else. And so we've had a peak concurrency of over 68,000 simultaneous players on our one server compared to what most MMOs have in the range of, you know, 2,000, 5,000 people on a server. So Eve is all about, at its moment-to-moment experience, flying in space, uh, building, uh, harvesting resources, corporations going to war, corporations allying, deep economy. It is a very interesting simulation of what life feels like it may be like in 20,000 years. Mm -hmm. Now, EVE has been running for 10 years now. It's the only MMO that's continued to grow every year of its existence. And we were able to just announce a few days ago that EVE is now over 500,000 subscribers worldwide. That's a pretty big thing given all the MMOs that have crashed and failed over those years that we continue to grow. Rest in peace, Crimecraft. Rest in peace, many. <laughs> and, 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 and again, it does come back to that single shard sandbox. And so, so dust. What is dust about, right? Well, put Eve on the side for a minute. Dust Five One Four, at its essence, is a first-person shooter that's completely free to play only on PlayStation Three. We're in our open beta now, and, and have millions of people running around on the tens of thousands of planets in the Eve universe, where they are battling for territory control, seizing districts. If you seize all the districts on a planet, you and your mates, your corporation, own the planet and harvest the resources from mm. that. You can use those resources in the giant geopolitical metagame of EVE Online, working with and against EVE players and Dust players as you go. But at its essence, Dust, you're playing a first-person shooter with some interesting persistence and customization elements you don't have in typical first-person shooters, but otherwise you'll find a pretty familiar moment-to-moment experience there. And then Dust and EVE are literally connected. They both are filled with players who are simultaneously all playing on our Tranquility Supercomputer Shard based in London. Now, here's my question. We talked about this when you were getting ready, you and your closed beta, when you guys, you know, we've previewed the game before for IGN. Now that it's out in the public, are the players on PlayStation Network filtering in and making sense for the universe? Because you talk about all this stuff, and like, oh, yeah, and they'll be getting resources, and I would think it would just be people in there running around, calling each other bad names, shooting each other in the head, and then bailing out, and not (laughs) being part of, like, this rich tapestry you guys are trying to weave together. Yeah. Well said. No, we're, that, you're starting to see that, right? You're starting to see the elements of this happen. Early in the closed beta, it was really more about, you know, we're building a first-person shooter, it's running on a console, it's free-to-play, 
let's make sure this works, right? So you, you had a limited number of maps, you had a limited number of play modes, you had a limited number of items in that people could equip and such like that. Now that the open beta has joined EVE on Tranquility, what we are seeing is that actual interesting social dynamic happening now. You know, Dust players and EVE players are, are very different, not just kind of in terms of the experience they're having on the game that they're playing right now, but just demographically and psychographically, right? You know, you know, your shooter audience tends to be a bit younger than your EVE audience, which right now is, you know, more on the PC, more the MMORPG kind of hardcore sure. audience, right? But what's happened is these people have come together has been this fascinating experiment we're seeing happening where they don't necessarily speak the same language, but they have found ways to work together where a corporation filled of Dust and EVE players has similar galaxy domination aims, and they're <laughs> able to work together to that uh, to that effect. It's the kind of thing that, you know... We we had an inkling of what we would start to see, but we're only beginning to see it really happening now. That Eve players and Dust players are now actually working together strategically, where a Dust team lines up, and of course, from a shooter perspective, there's the strategy of all right, you're the sniper, you're the heavy, I got the logistics, da 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 da. da. You're getting that together. Now you add that with the complexity of now let's work with our Eve friends and let's get people who are going to drop the orbital artillery support from the background while we're out there in the trenches fighting the ground war. That's a really exciting thing that we're seeing. And the best part is, you know, there was a concern, I think, at some level about, you know, I mean, you don't know until you know how those cultures are going to mesh together, right? And and it is very similar to, I guess, at some level, the, you know, the Marines and the Air Force finding a way to work together when they go to war together. You know, the Dust mercenaries and the Eve mercenaries may not be from the same walks of life, but they are in there together finding ways to fight together with mercenaries alongside capsuleers. Gotcha. So what are you learning from from the beta? I think what a lot of people took from the closed beta when we played it was that it's very, very complicated. The the game is very deep. um, And I think, you know, just from reading the comments that we got on Podcast Beyond or on the PCs we wrote, actually was turning some people off. Um, How have you guys streamlined that that process to make it a little simpler for people to understand? Because I think once you get your head wrapped around it, it's not – it's still complicated, but it's not quite as it's not quite <laughs> yeah. as complicated as it seems. No, you're right. It is a. I mean, the, the challenge for us is is not that different from the challenge of Eve, right? You know, in what we're doing with Dust, in that you know Eve has a lot of of depth, complexity, intensity, and and that has made the new player onboarding a pretty tricky thing, right? Where you know people who figure out Eve and get to call it day ninety, day one hundred, or whatever generally never leave, right? That's why the business just keeps growing. But but those first 90 days can be a little rough of throwing you off in a dark corner of space with a bunch of sharp objects and hoping you figure it out has kind of what it's been. And Eve has made strides on this regard. Part of what the retribution expansion was and some of the run-up to that has been making that new player experience a little, you know, sanding down some of those rough edges. And and Dust has that in a in a more focused and acute way in a lot of ways because it's a free-to-play title on a console, right? I mean, if we bring a guy into Dust and that guy's not having fun in the first 10, 30, 60 minutes, right, why wouldn't you just go back to Battlefield or Call of Duty or Halo? It's right there, right? They haven't made that investment that you do when you buy a game for $60 or something like that. So the impetus on us has gotten very focused now. And what you'll see as we move from open beta to launch very big strides are being made right now internally with the team in Shanghai, who is, is just absolutely, they've been killing themselves on the technical side of things. Now they're polishing up that front end. You know, it's not about making Dust easier, right? Dust is, is meant to be a hard game. It's meant to be complex and challenging and rewarding for people who put the time into it, but it is about making it easier to understand. I shouldn't have to, like, come into a, if you think about the earliest stages of the closed beta, you know, I would come into a marketplace and I didn't really have a good idea of what all these weapons were and, you know, I'd try to equip a gun, but I didn't have the skill. Now I got to find the skill book. Oh, I don't have the. I don't have enough room in my fitting to. You know, again, that became very complicated and detailed. 
but we are finding ways to streamline that for people who are like, hey, I want to be a sniper. Maybe I want to be a sniper with heavy armor as opposed to light armor. Let me figure that out. And it's a much easier process. You're not seeing that in closed beta right at this moment. But, or sorry, open beta. But as we progress to launch, this is exactly what we are focused on. Nice. And, you know, I guess the other question I have is with the business model, you guys are already selling microtransactions. I mean, even in the, in the beta. I mean, there's like some things you can buy on PlayStation Network or whatever. Are you confident that, that this business model is going to work for you? You guys are already seeing signs on the business side that this is working for you, that something like Dust can definitely be a yeah. profitable endeavor? Yeah, it is. I mean, again, it's it's the kind of thing that – you know, you've got to hone all of these things together, right? There's there's cost of building a game, but then, of course, in, in the idea of having a live service, there's the cost of operating it, keeping it up, and, and adding to it on a regular basis. You know, this isn't a game where you get to uh, shed, you know, if anything, teams tend to grow with successful MMOs, right? I mean, Eve started with 30 people and is over 200 people now running that game. And, and Dust will be that way as well. And so it's important for us to, you know, we're seeing the early signs of good traction in the microtransaction business there, right? You know, it's important for Dust to make sure that we... We cleave strongly to the the fiber of being a skill-based game, right? That there is no amount of money a person can spend and win and be the best in the game and, and beat other people if their skills are not strong enough and they haven't made that investment in becoming a good shooter. And so where you're seeing the, the traction in the microtransaction business right now is around things that have worked really well in PC-based microtransaction sorts of games. Things like in World of Tanks, you see a lot, a lot of the, the revenues there are coming from uh, boosts of, you know, I'm earning more XP per second or I'm earning more currency per second kind of th- kind of ideas in a way that, that makes a fair trade-off of time versus money in some cases. But it never lets the less skilled person win. Or things like you see in League of Legends where there are options, right? I can play League of Legends for free forever if I don't mind rotating my champion every week, right? But if I want that champion, I'm going to pay some money to do so. Dust has a very similar mechanic going in for it, right? As we think about if I want to be that guy with that drop suit, with that weapon, and I want to customize in that way, you're going to spend a little orum, potentially, the virtual currency on top of the in-game currency, our ISK. But there's never any requirement to do that. It's going to be about the flexibility and the customization you're looking for. Cool. I mean, do you see that? Today is interesting, right? Like, you you come from – you have one foot in the PC world and now one in the console, right? And so today – EA put out this conference call, and they said basically, like, yeah, we're going to put microtransactions in every game from here on out. And, like, that's a totally normal thing for a PC player to hear, but console people were flipping out on Twitter. <laughs> like, is this – I mean, is that the future everyone needs to get used to? And, like, do you see that – do you see free-to-play being the model for consoles as well? Not necessarily for every game, right? I mean, I think I think the lesson on free-to-play is it's something that provides a lot of flexibility to gamers, right? And, and you know, by and large, gamers were responding very well to it, right? We're not talking about – you know, Zynga titles here running on Facebook or, you know, little casual social apps and things like that. Core games for gamers are working in this free-to-play business model. And and as a result, right, more and more publishers and developers are going to start experimenting with that, and it's going to make it to the console, just like every big innovation in games has started on the PC. You know, online gaming, new genres, things like this, they all start on the PC, and then they get to the console. That's That's what's happening now. But I don't think for a minute the... That means every game is going to be a microtransaction-based game. And I, you know, again, I didn't get to hear everything EA said, but I would bet some of that's a little out of context, right? Oh, you know, sure, yeah. You know, Mass it's Effect. So suit, he doesn't know how to make games. <laughs> Mass Effect was not a microtransaction game, right? It was a premium title. I bought the disc at retail or downloaded it digitally over time for a premium price point, and I had the ability to expand on that. You know, that could very well be a definition of microtransaction or maybe mini-transaction. Maybe it's not quarters and nickels to buy things, but it's, you know, 10 bucks for an expansion pack. We've been doing that forever, right? That that It really shouldn't be that big a surprise to people who've been playing on the console for a long time. If, however, you know, 
is the question, will all games go the route that Dust514 has, where the client is free, there's no sharding, you can play everything for free, and you're only paying for the stuff that you choose to? I, I don't see that happening. I think different games, different genres are going to mold well to that. But again, I mean, I... You know, I'm perfectly willing as a gamer to, you know, when Bethesda releases the next Elder Scrolls title, I'll be there to pay 60, 70, 80 bucks, whatever for it. There's no reason to make that a free-to-play title. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the the other kind of lingering question I have about Dust is it's coming out on PS3. You guys aren't re- ready to talk about when. Uh, it's, you know, it's going to come out this year. Soon. Soon. Um, and we, real, you know, we learned when I was in New York City last week seeing PS4 that uh, no backwards compatibility on PS4 at all for digital or retail titles. Um, is there any concern that Dust is coming out kind of late on PS3 uh, in terms of its, its, its prime life cycle? I'm sure they'll still release PS3 games. Um, and is Dust being ported to PlayStation 4? Yeah, a couple different answers in, in there, right? I mean, number one, I think you know, we all watch the conference, and, and we've all, you know, at least we at CCP have had these discussions with Sony for a long time. Uh, you know, I, it was interesting, you know, the second guy to come up and speak after Andrew House Open is David Perry talking about Gaikai, and, and we're exploring, right? And, and CCP is exploring as well how to make a PlayStation 3 version of Dust potentially work on next-generation platforms. But but there's no reason for us to be concerned about the fact that, you know, the PlayStation 3 is not going away, right? It, there's 70 million units out there right now, and they don't all disappear on the day the first PlayStation 4 gets into the hands <laughs> of gamers, right? And there's going to be a huge ecosystem of people continuing to play those games, much like, you know, at, at, at one of my previous companies launching an Xbox 360, right? It's not like people stopped playing Halo 2 the day the Xbox 360 came out. We don't see that happening for dust either. When you think about how EVE as a service has progressed, right, how it's gone from this tiny little game with 30,000 subscribers in its first year to being over 500,000 now worldwide, it has gone through its hardware transitions as well. It's only been on the PC platform, but think about the the graphics cards and the multi-core PC chips that have come out over time, and, and, and EVE has kept up with that and those hardware transitions very nicely. Dust will be successful on the PS3, and it will outlive the PS3 in all likelihood. Suck what happens PS3. from there? Stays <laughs> <laughs> well, on its grave. Oh, it's not cold yet. Not what I said. Not what I said. But but I do expect that as a service, right? You know sure. that you know even Dust both will continue to progress on that front. So you know, is there is there a world in which Dust is playable on on some of these next generation platforms? Well, of course, that's very possible, and and we're excited about those prospects, not just as as people working at TCP, but as gamers as well, and seeing how the service progresses. But at the end of the day right now, we're utterly focused on making this PS3 version as good as we can. There's a lot of stuff coming in the next couple of months, and, you know, we will see what the future holds. But, you know, we're very excited about the prospects of being a free-to-play title on a platform that has 70 million units out there. This is not a bad place for us to be. (laughs) So now, like I was saying earlier, one foot in the PC camp, one foot here in the consoles. What... In general, did you take away from the PlayStation 4 conference? It gets revealed. I mean, did you see them moving away from Cell, them talking about, you know, a platform for developers by developers? Did that ring true to you, like, looking at it? Oh, absolutely. You know, this is stuff we get really excited about. I mean, and and more than that, right, you know, a real commitment from Sony on the free-to-play model, right? You know, we're seeing that this is, you know, different platforms have handled this transition differently and, and have struggled at times with how to think about, microtransaction-based models or how to think about the MMO as a service-based business because, you know, when you're running one of these platforms, there's a lot of cost on whether it's the Sony side, the Microsoft side, the Nintendo side of of patching, of updates, of, you know, launchers and things that, that, you know, have a real cost and how to make sure as a platform owner you keep, you know, you pay for that and keep your business and your ecosystem profitable is, is a tough challenge. So, you know, I, you know, I like to think CCP has been part of that process with Sony, uh, you know, one of other, you know, several developers that have helped 
think about how to run live services on a console, how to do a free-to-play model, and it, it feels like PlayStation 4 is is amplifying those efforts in a very good way. I, I, we've always known and, and been excited about the fact that Dust was a very early entree into the free-to-play model on the console, but we never imagined we'd be alone for long, right? So 2013 <laughs> is going to be a big year of free-to-play titles on the console for sure. All right, so again, talking, and these are all conversations swirling around the same kind of issue, so sure. I, I'm not doubling up, I swear to you. <laughs> David Reed. <laughs> Looking at PlayStation 4, do you start to think about, uh, as CCP, trying to make Eve come over there? Because they are getting to this, it, it is running like a PC, right? It does have this PC-like in- infrastructure. And then also, piggybacking off of that, do you see a unified console like in our future? Is this the last generation of consoles like Colin and I keep predicting? In our uh, hats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, well, let's take the first one first, right? The the you know In a lot of ways, right, if you really boil down to what has made EVE successful and, and why has it thrived you know in a very different way, continuing to grow year after year when so many other games have not, we do think it's that fact about the, the sandbox allowing this emergent gameplay in the community where, where we're not telling them what to do. They are finding the ways to interact and, and socialize and go to war and be friends with each other. Uh, and the fact that it's single shard, right? Be that, friends that, is after go to war. Uh, <laughs> that's how it usually goes. And, and, but, but that single shard sandbox is the backbone of what keeps EVE successful. At some level, the hardware that you use to enter that sandbox may be a little irrelevant over time, right? You know, it's it's a rendering device of the graphics. It's an input-output device of how I move around in that universe. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a PC. But that said, right, you know, EVE on the PC is working really, really well. It's a game that lends itself to the, the two-foot interface of a mouse and keyboard, you know, a, a plethora of things to do and a lot of commands that you need to make. Those experiences don't translate as well to the console, and some of that experience that we've learned ourselves on that has been kind of chiseling a, a experience with that much customization and personalization for e, you know, an Eve universe for Dust mm. onto a console. So, you know, there are no plans to think about Eve as a console title. What I do think we see, though, is, you know, again, with, with Dust now being the first, if you will, uh, mega application in, in the Eve universe outside of Eve Online itself. Well, you know, we look at mobile and tablets the same way we look at consoles. There's lots of ways, lots of different business models, platforms, genres, moment-to-moment experiences that people can have that will allow them to get into that single shard sandbox on whatever platform they choose, whatever hardware piece they choose, whatever business model they choose, and tell their own stories in the universe without having to learn Eve on the PC, if you will. So, I, you know, again, I think it's something where... Yeah, we we've learned in our first ten years to to never say never. <laughs> Who knows what will happen? But but right now the plans are very focused that that Eve remains strong, vibrant, and successful on the PC. Dust is the first of our entrees on different platforms, and it's for a different audience than the Eve audience. But in the end, they all jump into that mosh pit and New Eden together. Ooh, mosh pit, nice. Yeah, Colin likes that. <laughs> Get a three eleven mosh pit going. <laughs> that even happen. <laughs> Well, David Reed, we have to go do a live stream, which will be up on IGN by the time this airs. So everybody go download and watch this live stream and have fun with that. But thank you so much for joining us. It's always a blast. Is there anything you want to say to the PlayStation faithful listening before before we say goodbye to them? You know, I'll tell you what. uh, You... Number one, you don't have to wait long for actual commercialization launch. We are we are coming up fast. Number two, we thank you for your participation, your feedback. Uh, the, hopefully you have seen it as a gamer, but this game has changed dramatically over the past two years as we've gone through development and into closed beta. We're continuing to change it, and we think you're going to be really happy with the difference between open beta and launch. Can't tell you much about that yet, but but there's a lot of good stuff coming there. And the last thing I'd say is, you know, 
we have not pulled every rabbit out of our hat here going into launch, going into Eve's second decade, its birthday on May 6th, going into FanFest in Reykjavik in April. There is a lot of activity going on right now, and, and watch this space. All right, cool. Go download D- Dust514 right now. Give me a Beyond before you go. Beyond! YouTube. Beyond! There we go. Beyond! Beyond. Wow. <laughs> that you was learned like, something today. That was really interesting. Yeah, I, I never would have expected to, to get that much info from a short. I like that David Reed guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do too. He's a good guy. Yeah, he is. True. They, so they're a fascinating company. They mm. are a fascinating company. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Now, I'm getting a little concerned about Dust514. Yeah. But, uh, Why is that? Talk about it. Because it was not, not uh, <laughs> Michael Denny's list of PS3 games. I know, I know. Because it was, I feel like it was supposed to be out last year, like yeah. a year yeah. ago. And they just aren't done with it yet. And and with the PS4's backwards compatibility oh. issues and stuff, it's just, is anyone going to give a shit you about think, this game? Yeah, I think the boat might be sailing. Yeah, I think, I think it would have been perfect last summer when there was a huge lull in games. It's one of those things that was interesting. It was so popular on IGN leading up to it. They had this huge like swell, and then they went into closed beta, and they kind of lost all this... They lost. It seemed like they got out of sorts on it. You know, what yeah, I mean? they got yep. out of sync when they were running. Yeah, I think that they they lost sight of the fact that the game. They just made a game that's too complicated, and I think that they had to now, scale it back. See, I, I was I, talking about this. Uh, yeah, they are scaling it back. They've said that, but I mean, talking to people or talking to uh, CCP on the live stream the other day with Damon, I asked him about that. You know, if it, is it too complicated? And I think part of it is maybe they're going for a different audience, right? They're not going for the COD audience. They're not going for a Twitch shooter. They do want somebody who's going to come in and be like, okay, I get how I play into this geopolitical interstellar war. I, mean, right? I don't even mean that, though. Like, I, think, I, know you I mean, think the interplay between Dust and Eve is fine because a lot of it's automatic. I mean more of like when interface. you die, your weapon is gone. Yeah. Like you have to buy 25 rifles, you know, of the same type. Like there's weird shit in that game that I think is cool, but it's, you know, if you're, if you're trying to scale this game to make money, yeah. I don't know. It seems I mean, like more of a game you would charge $60 for than a game that you would charge microtransactions for. I totally agree. I mean, it, it seems like it'll be a little bit overwhelming. I don't know. Like, I the only time I've really seen, like, recent deep gameplay was with you, Greg, when we went to that event with uh, Geddes, where yeah. he was driving. The Orbital and, uh, Strikes, they were showing. Yeah, and, it, like, it was all really interesting, but it, it did, like, standing behind you. And, and granted, I feel like if I if I had my hand in the controller, it might be a little bit better, because I would, I would be more intimately involved in what's going on. But, like, man, spectating that game, a little confusing. It's confusing. It's hard to play, too. I'm bad at it. You know, yeah. like, I'm bad at that game. Uh, it's just... That's nothing new for you. You suck at most games. I know. I'm terrible. <laughs> uh, but I'm just... You know, that game is hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be daunting for people to get into. I, I think it missed its window. But I, I hope that... You know, I think it's a cool idea. I respect CCP a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, as they often like to say, as he said on the interview, you know, Eve online grows every year. It's been out for 10 years. I mean, that's that's extraordinary. Considering most MMOs come out and burn, you know, and just die. And that's what's so crazy. It's like Dust doesn't need to be crazily successful for them, to, for, CCP, for CCP to be totally fine. Like, honestly, like, they probably make enough, will make enough money from EVE on the day Dust launches that they will have already broken even. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't, like, I don't think it's a big risk for them or anything. Yeah, I think it's a cool idea. Their main studio is not making the game. So it's, you know, the guys in uh, Shanghai are making the game, which is kind of an ancillary studio. The guys in, you know, Reykjavik which is the capital of Iceland. Oh, is it? Uh, or, you know, they work on EVE. I thought it was Icelandia. That would be a Icelandia, Iceland. <laughs> that would be a cool so place to visit. There's a town on Long Island called Islandia. 
Oh. I used to go to Funko Land there. Yeah, Funko Land. Funko Land. They give you yeah. cash for your games. Yeah, remember you used to get the newspaper from there, and yeah. like you yep. have all the prices, and yeah. you can kind of compare over month. Like games are getting rare, or, you know, you have easier the stock to find. Market going, you were just so, I used to love that shit. Man. It out on the wall. I used to love yeah. walking into Funko Land. And you'd have just the NES games and the SNES games just yep. on a huge walls behind the counter and stuff. It was good stuff. The uh, the Babbage's in my town had uh, on on one side they had all the games, and on the other side they had all of, like the really nerdy collectibles, like all the action figures yeah. and Donkey Kong plus toys and stuff. And those are all probably worth so much money now. Went over there, you rolled around them. Yeah, I just hugged them and I was like, "Are you my friend?" And my mom had to pull me away. (laughs) No, Andy. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been podcast beyond episode two hundred and eighty-three. We are IGN's PlayStation podcast. We are the number one PlayStation podcast on the internet for some reason. No one knows. (laughs) Thank you for your support, as always. Please keep supporting us. The podcast is fun, but what keeps the lights on is, in fact, IGN.com. So go to IGN.com, watch some videos, read some articles. I don't know. Go to Colin's my IGN page. <laughs> just say something on his wall. It's whatever you want to do. You're, it's a sandbox. It's a sandbox game. It's open-ended. You go do what you want on IGN.com. Uh, check out YouTube. Follow us on Twitter. IGN is IGN. I'm Game Over Greggy. Colin is no taxation. Your boy. Goldfarb is Garfep. G-A-R-F-E-P. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be back next Tuesday with a new episode. Some shenanigans, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, it's time to introduce a new segment. Usually I say, Clements, take me home. As you know, Ryan Clement's no longer with us now. Deep Silver. Uh, a lot of people wrote in saying what what they wanted the segment to be called. I asked on Twitter, "We need a closing segment now." Uh, a lot of people had different things. Like Roper Report, obviously, is named for Chris Roper. We've kept that forever. I want to open up to the real listeners, not just the people. You should be following me on Twitter, of course. You're a fool if you're not. You are missing so many pizza pictures and Pertillo. <laughs> An awesome it, vine starring me. Awesome <laughs> vine starring Andrew Goldfarb. So follow me on Twitter. But then also, uh, next week we'll name this segment. So you need to write into beyond at IGN.com. Tell me what this segment should be called. Can I give my suggestion? Sure, but I can't pick it. I think it should be called Clements Take Me Home. I think we should just still say that at the end of every podcast. Okay. So Clements Take Me Home, and then I just yeah. keep talking. I just yeah, keep talking. Yeah, yes. Kind of it's it's like speaking to the segment. spiritual Ryan Clements. What about like Cl- Clements Corner? So we text him at the end of every episode and say, okay, we're texting him right now. Clements, take me home. And then he's like, I'm in a meeting. <laughs> Please leave me alone, guys. I'm making three times the money and I'm way more happy. <laughs> uh, anyways, we're going to play one of, one of our favorites here. Uh, a Danny we- Weissner joint uh, at Tuna News. He's the guy who did uh, The World is Saved. Yep. That song we ended podcast beyond 200 with. They were going to play his uh, song that's been in my head all day, uh, the two-player co-op song. Oh, Press start. Good it's choice. A great one. It's a great one. So we'll see you next week. Beyond. 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 Incentive towards the end of each campaign. But then you walked into the crosshairs of my sniper stock. And I knew then you were my lost toy. There's only so much I could say. My words get in the way. Only thing to do. Won't you be my player?
life is all just a game and I'ma play it cooperatively. So baby, won't you be my cover on the battleground? Us back to back room, we're surrounded. We make quite the team. Oh yes, we do. You and I could top the charts of every creep for all. Could fight the fight that means a world survival. Hot and heavy until the end because it's only me and you. So won't you be my player too? Cause I've got a game I really like to play with you. Girl, you know you got my heart. Player two, press start. You're my power suit. Cute like Pikachu. You are bomb like Hudson. Jet set like feet. You can shoot to rocket, rocket like nobody else I've seen. You're my final fantasy. Invincibility. Worth more than all the coins in the kingdom of me. And girl, you're more meaner than any master chief. Even hotter than a pre-release PS3. You're my Joker Bone. You're my Pikachu. My Daxter, my companion. You can take me higher than an airship. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.